It's the 200th episode of Geek Out Loud. And we have Lauren Sadowski Collins on to talk Rocky. That in a bad impressions theater. And maybe an email. Who knows? It's your safe place to geek out. Thank you and you and you and you and you and you and thank you so much, everyone, for getting us to episode 200. 200. We should be at like five. We should, we should be, we should have as many episodes out as like a Smodcast does. But you know what? I, I didn't have the Kevin Smith kind of time on my hands. And so, but here we are, episode 200, and we want to thank everyone for joining us for episode 200. Those of you who are live listening uh, at Mixer.com slash Goaliverse, and those who are joining us via the podcast feed, thank you so much for all of your support over the years. We're glad to have you along with us. And you may think, well, it's episode 200. He's going to use it as an excuse to talk about uh, Star Wars. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. I'm going to use it as an excuse to talk about Rocky. Today, as we're recording this, is the 40th anniversary of the release of Rocky in theaters way back in 1976. And we've got a very, very special guest um, coming on, Lauren Sadowski-Collins, new mom, Lauren Sadowski-Collins, who I met she and her husband David back in uh, June in Orlando and somehow it came up that she was a Rocky fan, and I, you, you guys know, you guess, you know that I'm a Rocky fan, that I love some Rocky, that if there were no Star Wars, Rocky would be my Star Wars. And so, um, in a weekend that was supposed to be devoted to Star Wars, I used every chance I could get to turn the conversation back to Rocky and just have a good time talking Rocky. And I, and I told Lauren, I'm like, you got to come on Geek Out Loud. You got to come do the show. Let's just talk Rocky. And it'll be fun. And she does. And we'll get to that conversation a little bit later on in the episode. Before we do that, of course, we have to uh, read some emails because it's Geek Out to the old electronic mailbag we have this from jason who says hi i hope this email finds you healthy happy and thriving good sir well you know not all hope is lost Okay, I'll try to get right to it. He says, I just finished listening to Geek Out Loud number 194. I completely and totally understand your love of card collecting. Listening to you getting back into card collecting makes me want to do it too. Sadly, I can't, so I won't. I was born in 1977 as well, and I remember having many different card collections as a child. 
My favorite were my Star Wars cards and 89 Batman cards. I think that I think those Batman cards I really dug as well. Um I'm right. I, you know what? I cannot disagree with your choices there. I cannot say, but you know what I really loved? I think those are my favorites until the Marvel cards came along. But um they came along as the bubble began to expand on the whole card collecting genre. So I, I put them in a different era, unfortunately. What young people may not realize is these trading cards were our way of previewing a movie as well as reliving the movies they were based off of. That's a sentence ended in a preposition. Let me try to fix that for you. What young people may not realize is these trading cards were our way of previewing a movie as well as reliving the movies off of which they were based. Boom! In 1980s, when a movie left the theater, it may not it may not make it to VHS tape, Betamax tape, or VCR, VCD, or Laserdisc for a whole year or two. Then, when it made its way to home video, ding, ding, you had to rent it from a video store. The tapes back then were not priced to sell. Video rental stores would pay $100 or more per copy. That's how Hollywood made its money after the theater back then. Side note, I worked for a video store for 15 years. So these cards were how we relived the movies or cartoons that we loved. I wish I still had my old Star Wars cards. Sadly, they're gone with the wind, literally. I also had a lot of 89 Batman cards, WCW wrestling cards. At the moment, I'm drawing a blank on the others I had. I briefly got heavily into the Marvel trading cards back when they first started. I was just talking about talking about that. What was what was that particular vocal thing that just happened? I was just think. I was just think. I was just think. I mean, wh- who am I? Am I a, am I a, a a record on a turntable being completely wiki wiki? Is that what's happening right now? Is that is that? I mean, am I a Porky Pig or something? Gee whiz! <clears throat> I do notice my voice is a bit weird, and I apologize for that. I guess I, people always apologize for their voices when they had a bit of a cold or coming off some sickness of some sort, and I've I've never done that. Maybe I have, maybe on some of the big honking shows I have, but I always feel like, you know, we all understand vocal stuff. We understand how the vocals work. So why should we, you know, spend time, waste time, someone saying, so sorry about my voice. But now I'm very conscious of just how bad my voice sounds because it's in my, it's in my head. It's in my head. In my head, my bad voice, my bad voice. I'm trying to adjust the old G-E-Q on it so that I may uh, may come across with a little bit more, you know, quiet storm. How's everybody doing? Anyhow, back to this email from Jason. Similar cards, uh, similar to the cards. You remember the sticker books? You'd buy a book, say He-Man. Then at the grocery store, you'd buy packs of stickers that go into the book. They'd be numbered, and you'd know where to put the sticker on the book. I remember having the He-Man book, hence the reason you use that example, Jason. I'm tracking with you. I smell what you're stepping in, sir. I I am picking up what you are laying down. I held on to it for a long time. He says, I had a DuckTales um, sticker book. I remember Transformers did the sticker thing. There are Return of the Jedi sticker books out there. Um it's just not something I ever really collected. I always thought that the sticker... I, I didn't care for them. I did not care for them because to me, it's just weird. With a with a card set, it's like, yeah, do I want to complete the whole set? Yes. But with a sticker set, 
the way they would do these things because they fit into the story arc of the book. This wasn't like a coloring sticker book where you just have the stickers there in the book with it. This was an album that told a story, and there were some times where there'd be four different stickers that would make up one picture, and if you didn't collect the whole set of those things, then you're having an incomplete book, and that just really irritated me, so I never got into those things. Jason says, on to Robotech, as if I have talked too much in the midst of his email. I love Robotech. Steve, if you could see, if you could have seen Robotech as a kid, I think you would have loved it too. As an adult, uh, maybe you'll like it, maybe not. That is always the way. I've owned multiple copies of the DVD sets. I'll admit, as an adult, Robotech is not aging well. The overall story, though, is still great, in my opinion. My favorite saga of Robotech is the Macross saga. Macross? 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 Macros? The Macross saga. The first saga. Rick Hunter, Roy Fokker. Really? That's his name? Max and Miria. I love that the good guy fighters looked like F-14 Tomcats and transformed into robots. I would get up at 6 in the morning to watch Robotech on Saturday morning. Spoiler, I remember crying when a certain character died. I won't say who. Years later when I was a teenager and it was difficult to find anything Robotech, I discovered the books. I would snatch them up anywhere I could find them and read through them all. They were great. As I read through the books, I would have flashbacks of the series and specific episodes. The books also fleshed out the series and filled in some gaps as well. I hope you'll give the series a try and that you'll enjoy it. It may be hard to swallow as an adult, though. If you make it to the Southern Cross series, Dana Sterling, uh, she's a much cooler character in the books than she is in the animated series. The character of Dana portrayed in the book, I think, could make a good lead character in a live-action series. My dream is that some company will take the scripts to the original Robotech series and remake the episodes almost scene for scene, but with some tweaks and improvements. Lynn Minmi's singing, for example. Ugh. None of this makes sense to me, but I guarantee you there are Robo fans, Robotech fans going, that's right, that's right, he's got it, he knows what he's talking about, that's right, that's right, and I bet they even talk that way too. That's right. That's right. That's right. Right. I have no idea what's going on. I'm excited that a live-action movie made me... Episode 200, and my lips don't work. I'm excited that a live-action movie may be made. I'm not holding my breath, though. There have been rumors of a live-action Robotech since the late 1990s. Oh, and I also called anime back then Japanime. We called it Japanimation. I will call it quits here for now. I could go on and on. Plus, I want to watch Transformers the movie for the 500th time. Thank you for providing a safe place to geek out. I love the Goloverse, and I look forward to each and every episode. May the Force be with you, and that's from Jason Bogue. Thank you, Jason, for um, for chiming in. Will West is trying to blow all of our minds here with an email he sent over a month ago. It says, prepare to have all your questions answered. Mild spoilers for Predator and Stranger Things follow. I've never seen Predator, Steve. But then how are you going to spoil... You can't spoil a movie you've never seen, can you? Can you really spoil a movie you've never seen? Let me just continue on. That is until today. Oh, you got me. It's a movie I've been wanting to watch, so I made it happen. Will you go, Will? Way to persevere. The truth that... (laughs) The truth that was unearthed as I did will change the world as we know it. I'm going to jump right in. 
I'm new to this. So while I don't know the characters' names, you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, I really don't. I've seen Predator one time. One time in my life I've seen Predator. Uh, we get into the movie a little and find that Arnold, Apollo Creed, and the tertiary characters, that'd be, Je- that'd be uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, have gotten out of the choppas and are exploring the jungle floor. To the men come upon a crashed chopper and upon investigation find that one of the men on board was none other than Hopper, Jim Hopper. Arnold has a moment sharing that he knew Hopper. I knew Hopper in this chopper and had worked with him before. Some might be thinking it's merely coincidence that this man in Predator shares a name with one of the main characters from Stranger Things, but they are wrong. At the end of Stranger Things, we see Hopper get into a car with the government, most likely due to the deal that he cut with them to access the Upside Down. Everyone has been wondering where Hopper was going until now. It turns out the government was assembling a force to deal with creatures. Godzilla showed up in 1954. The Demogorgon showed up in 1983. The government needed someone who knew about these creatures, how they thought, what they looked like, even how to take them down. Thus, the recruitment of Jim Jim Hopper. According to the official Predator timeline, the movie first takes place in 1987. This gives Hopper a solid three years to do some basic training, though he is a specialist, and even go on a mission with Arnold. Now we know the fate of Jim Hopper. Okay, so here's what is happening. Uh, Will is connecting the Jim Hopper of Stranger Things to the Jim Hopper, the dead Hopper of Predator. Um, However, this is prime territory for Netflix, a Stranger Things spinoff taking place somewhere between 83 and 87 about Jim Hopper and Arnold Schwarzenegger taking on whatever creature has sprung up to cause a threat. 36 dangerous hours, 9 thrilling episodes, 2 uneasy soldiers, 1 deadly threat, Schwarzenhopper, working title. And I feel we're barely scratching the surface. I apologize only for the brevity of my email. Stay geeky, my friend. Will West, I'm open to the inclusion of Apollo Creed and John Rambo as special guests at some point during the season. You have money to spend on a show like this. Um, I, I don't... I think what we're going to find out in season two is that Jim Hopper will not have had time to become the Hopper of the Chopper. Um, However, I like that connection. I like that connection. Was Hopper's name in Stranger Things? Um, Jim Hopper? Was that who that was? Was that his name in that movie? I don't don't quite recall, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I mean, in in the Stranger Things. I honestly don't quite... I honestly don't recall. And I'm sorry for... For not recalling um, that. What else have we got here in the old email bag? Uh, our friend Bald-Headed Rod really quickly says, The Dune rights have been sold. Might be a new movie or better, a TV show. Thought you should know. Congrats on 200. Here's the thing. If they make a Dune TV show, Rod, I'll be watching it. I'm not going to lie. I'll watch that mess. I'll give it a chance. I'll give anything a chance. Good Lord. Uh, I, I watched uh, I watched the, the, the sadistic um, Walking Dead for however long I watched it. I mean, come on. I'll, I'll give anything a chance. Um, I, I, feel like, I feel like there's been this picture painted of me that I did not enjoy the Dune. But I did. I did enjoy Dune. Um, I just didn't. It's nothing... It's not something I want to revisit and go back to on a regular basis in my life. I didn't love it and become passionate about it. That doesn't mean I did not like it. It just means that, you know, it didn't really scratch the itch that I think it scratches for some people. And, you know, and I've never watched the movies or the miniseries or whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah, I should know that because Dune is something that if they make a TV show or if they make a movie, I'll be there to see it at some point or another. I'll see it. So there you go. Um, 
real quick chat watch Dave Atterbury saying that I need to go back and rewatch Predator. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Before we go to a break, and we're about to take a break, um, we need, I need to tell you about Dana Bias real quick. Dana Bias is a super spy, maybe. Maybe she, maybe the most skilled fighter in the known world. An argument could be made. All I know for sure is there are several evil organizations who are no longer around because of Dana. That's Dana Bias, our featured supporter on this episode of Geek Out Loud. Of course, um, uh, you can be a featured supporter by donating any amount uh, at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Your name will go permanently forever uh, up on the Goliverse Wall of Fame that you'll find at geekoutonline.com. You'll be given your name there and a uh, and a superpower at no at any level at which you choose to donate that's going to happen there are also other levels and other rewards and uh and we appreciate everyone who supports us at patreon.com slash geek out loud uh you guys have kept the show going and uh we'll hopefully keep the show going beyond uh this episode hopefully we'll continue to uh to get better for you and hopefully we'll um We'll have uh, we'll have some good times. We'll have some good times together um, as we continue on trying to uh, trying to make some things happen. Uh, that's patreon.com slash geek out loud. Patreon.com slash geek out loud. Now we're gonna take a uh, we're gonna take a break and I don't know what we're going to go out to. So bear with me here. Let me see if this is what I'm looking for. Uh-oh. Take you back. Uh-oh. Do, 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 do. Take you back. Take you back. Of course, there are the Amazon links, the Entertainment Earth links, and the Think Geek links. As you'll find at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. We'd appreciate you using those to help support the shows. It's the holiday season. You're doing a lot of online shopping. For the geek in your life, there's Think Geek. For the collector in your life, there's Entertainment Earth. And for everything else, there's Amazon. Use those links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com, and you will tremendously help the shows out in a big, bad way. And we thank you for your support. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it'll be me, it'll be Lauren Sadowski. We'll be talking Rocky and uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary of one of the greatest movies of all time. We'll be back after this. When you do the things you do. Coming soon to Netflix. Hello. One man will hold an entire town hostage. Who is this? To offset. Who is this? His expenses. If you want to support the shows, one of the best ways you can do it is by using Amazon uh, Shop at geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com I, I don't know what that means if you want to support the show directly I, I, I need you to tell me what to do what should I do you can do so through patreon.com patreon.com slash geekoutloud p-a-t-r-o-n.com slash geekoutloud no this fall Clear your cookies. 
my name is Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Well, I was uh, overjoyed back in June to be able to spend some time with our guest and her husband down in Orlando, Florida at Walt Disney World for the big Rebel Force radio meetup that happened back then. And uh, the first night that I met these people face to face, someone somehow brought up the subject of Rocky. And for the rest of the weekend, Star Wars for me, it wasn't forgotten, but it was on the back burner because I'm like, because I found someone who loves this mess, it seems, as much as I do. And I'm happy to have her with us, ladies and gentlemen, Lauren Sadowski Collins. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks for being with me. Oh, what an intro. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Now, you, we're pull, I'll pull the curtain back because I'm, I, I like to do that. We're recording this a little bit before the actual time it's going to be released because you're having a baby. That's right. Congratulations. A, a minor upcoming event yeah. in my life. <laughs> a, minor, a minor upheaval about to take place. Totally. A little rocky on uh-huh. the way. <laughs> oh, nice. Hey, Mama, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Um, so we I forget how it came up, but we were sitting there in the hotel little restaurant area, bar area, hanging out, and you guys had spent a day at the park and um and we were just all kind of sitting around catching up and and it was so funny because you could just tell you guys were wiped out. Oh yeah. You were so tired, but somehow you get sucked into this whirlwind of conversation. And I don't know who said it, I don't know how it got brought up, but it was it was decreed. Lauren loves Rocky. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hello, new friend. How are you? <laughs> so you've told me the story. For, for the sake of the listener, this has come about literally in the, in the past year. Tell us how yes. it happened. Absolutely. This is a new passion that is now so uncontrollably... Um, bursting out of me that I could not wait to get on your show and talk about it with you, quite honestly. Um, Honestly, looking back, um, going literally less than a year ago to November when Creed is released in theaters, Thanksgiving week, big movie. I'm a child of the 80s and sort of missed the Rocky wave. unfortunately, but, you know, I remember seeing it on TV and thinking, oh, it's that sports movie about the guy that runs in the street with a sweaty sweatsuit (laughs) and, you know, it was always on HBO. It brings luck. Yes, that scene (laughs) in the ring is, you know, the epic scene. So that was my, and I look back and I'm like, man, all these years I've missed out. That was my preconceived notion. Mm -hmm. And then Creed comes out, we fast forward to last November, and I am a huge Ryan Coogler fan who directed the film, right? I used to work at Sundance and happened to be there with him while he was um, promoting Fruitvale Station at the 2013 Sundance Film Festival. So big fan of his. Had no idea at the time this guy is trying to write and direct Creed and get Stallone on board. And, you know, had I known and gone back. So <laughs> long story short, my husband, my father-in-law and I, we all go out to see Creed. 
and it's the night before Thanksgiving. I'm in the theater. Movie starts. Movie ends. I'm blown away by the <laughs> character of Rocky. <laughs> really? So it's Rocky that snagged you in this one. Uh, it's like a Rocky revolution. Yeah. <laughs> Episode title. Completely. <laughs> And I come home and I'm like, I cannot believe that I have not seen all these movies. I need to go back. So the next day on Thanksgiving, I literally start with Rocky and I go through and I marathon it and watch all six. Okay. Now, outside of having seen Creed, was there any primer for you? Like, hey, look, this is, a you know, especially with like, let's say the first one, the original Rocky, you know, Academy Award winning film, but... You know, what did there have to be the primer of, okay, this is the 70s, there's, it's going to be gritty, it's going to be low budget, you know, or did you just go in and say, I loved Rocky so much, I want to just experience it? I, you know, I went in and I just tried to keep it up in mind and say, you know, I just, because of Creed, I was so fascinated mm-hmm. by how that character originated. <laughs> and then I start with Rocky and I realized not only is the story of Rocky so good and mm-hmm. so impactful, right? But the making of Rocky and Stallone's process to get him to get that movie to see the light of day in 1976 blew my mind. Yeah. So it was sort of a twofold for me, right? It was the, you know, discovering the character and the story and this amazing you know, series and collection of, of films, but then it was actually going back at the same time and learning about how Sly really got this to happen on his own, you know, with like $20 in his pocket. And that to me is, was equally attractive and why I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm still so pumped and jazz and <laughs> this anniversary coming up is a big deal. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. You talk about the, the process of making the film because a lot of people, and it comes down to the roles that he's, you know, most well known for Rocky Rambo. They kind of look at Stallone and, and he'll even tell you because he, he, you know, he says, I talk like I've got a mouthful of marbles. There's, you know, people kind of underestimate the intelligence of this guy. He, he created this entire world. He created this character. He created the people that surround it. He's a creative guy who was, you know, I, I'm blown away by, his ability throughout the series to not only adapt to the time that that each movie would take place in, but somehow make you feel like it's all in perfect continuity, even though there are continuity gaps and everything. He he did something that transcended just a movie-going experience. I mean, he, he created this character that is just... Like you go to Philly today, and people will chant Rocky with you. They love Rocky as though he were a real person. Yeah, and yeah. and and you feel like you know him. Yes, yeah. exactly. Too exactly. Yeah. And you know, it, it's a great point you're making, Steve, because today, you know, there's so many ways for somebody to get their film out in the world, right? Mm-hmm. You can make a film on your iPhone. You can crowdfund online. There's so many resources and it's a great thing, right? Especially for independent filmmakers. But you kind of rewind back to his time period in the 70s. There was no Sundance. Right. There was no real support for independent movies. And he's this newcomer and he's got to fight. It's his story and he's still got to fight to put himself in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they want to put Burt Reynolds and Ryan O'Neill <laughs> oh and, and ironically Robert Redford instead of him. And he 
fights and loses all this money just to keep the rights and get himself in the movie. I mean, the guy is a genius. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a genius. He had the passion. He knew it. It comes down to vision, passion, and an understanding of what he was trying to do. And yeah. and I don't, you know, anyone that that makes an impact on the culture the way that he did with these movies. And I, I've heard other people talk about it, you know, who've been in similar situations. You know, they'll tell you that if you set out and someone says, did you know this from the beginning? And you say, yes, you're just a liar. And he'll tell you, Sloan will tell you, had no idea how big it would be. He just knew it was a story he had to tell. Totally. It was in him and he and he had to tell the story. So uh, let me walk through this with you. I, I'm really resisting the urge to go off on the tangent of what Burt Reynolds as Rocky would have been like. But let's just <laughs> put that to the side. And let's not as good no no <laughs> well yeah stick to smoking in the bandit Bert um when so so you're you're marathoning these films last year the the first film the one that we're celebrating the anniversary for this month the you you get finished with it it is it's almost the antithesis of everything we expect from any type of sports movie. And I maintain when people, when I tell people that I love Rocky, they're like, eh, I'm not really into boxing movies. You know, I'm quick to say it's not really a boxing movie. It's a, it, it's a, it's a character piece surrounded, you know, with boxing as kind of a set piece for it. But you get to the end and it's almost disheartening because he doesn't win. And, you know, nowadays... If you put a movie like this out there, the dude wins in the end. Yes. And and so I, I just remember the revelation as a child because I saw these movies way out of order. I saw Rocky Three first because it was on CBS. Nice. And um and I loved it, you know. And my mom was like, "Well, you like this? It has Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, you know, because this was the middle of the A Team craze and everything." And I have a tiger. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And and then it wasn't long after that that um, CBS aired Rocky II. And so we had a videotape, you know, back in the day when you would record the movies when they came on TV. <laughs> we had a videotape that had Rocky III, then Rocky II. And, and, I, and it was so long before I actually saw the first Rocky. But in my childlike mind, it never dawned on me that he lost in the first movie. Interesting. And and so when I finally see the first movie, everything clicks. I'm like, oh yeah, that's why he why it's a big deal he wins the title in two. He lost. He he did not win. But the the journey from that church boxing arena, you know, to yes. the church social hall to, you know, the spectrum at the end of the movie, the journey this guy takes is just incredible. It, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um how did you feel when you get to the end of that first movie? I mean, were you ready for two? Were you, were, did you feel like the wind was let out of your sails? What, what I kept mean, you going? I, when I finished the first movie, I l sat there and thought, this is a love story mm -hmm. disguised as a boxing film. Yes. Completely. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm not alone in saying that. Many people have, have sort of coined that phrase, but I couldn't believe the investment in the character of Rocky from the first scene to the end and what you get out of that, you know, two hour cut, you don't get that today in mm -hmm. most films. And you're so right. The idea of, you know, most of the time the, the good guy wins at the end and, you know, you're just kind of watching him grow and it's predictable and the struggle and the changes you see in Rocky 
from that first scene to the end are just they're remarkable and I think that it did like take my breath away literally as yeah. cheesy as it sounds. No, no, it, it's yeah. it's it's amazing. You said you, you mentioned you used the term good guy and that's the other thing I think that that this movie that the first movie does super well is Apollo's not really a bad guy. No. He's he's a he's a man who's invested a lot of money into a fight that now can't take place and Rocky's just a gimmick. Yeah. And and Apollo don't want to hurt him. He's not mad at him. He just, you know, he's like, here's your show. Right. Yeah. Here, let's give him a show. Here's your shot. Let's give him a show. And and so and, and if there's any crime that's committed by anyone in this, it's that none of them believe in Rocky at all. Totally. You know, and that that there's the scene the oh, night, the night before the fight. Him. Yeah, in the empty ring. Yes. And, you know, he tells them that the poster's wrong. Uh, the type, it doesn't really matter. Yes. Oh, and it's, it's just... Yeah. That's that's everyone's idea about this. Yeah. You know, Rocky's going to, Rocky is going to maybe hang in there for three rounds and fade into obscurity and be a, be a trivia question, you know, the rest of his days. Or the answer to a trivia question, I should say. And... And that was it. That was all these people cared about was getting this event over and making the money they were going to make. And 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 if that's and if and if that is the bad guy of it, then sure they're the bad guy, but really not a villain. Totally. You know, you're just rooting for this underdog in Rocky as because you've gotten to know him so well. And one of the things, and you said it, it's a love story disguised as a boxing movie. One of the things that to me works so very well throughout the entire series is the relationship with Rocky and Adrian. Absolutely. Um, it makes the film. Yes. Yes. It does. Um, he is, he's a completely different, well, not different individual, but like she, she, she conquers something in him that no one else does mm -hmm. because I guess the word is smitten. Well, just, you know, he is he is 100 percent smitten with this woman. Yeah. And I mean, right down to practicing his jokes in the mirror. I mean, he's smitten in that pet shop for sure. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like it's true. You know, you want the opening scene of the film. He is bleeding and he's bloody right. He's caught. I mean, he does not look like he's having his finest hour, mm -mm, right? No. And you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a movie about this guy who fights and is a, you know, kid of the streets and you know, you cut to the first scene in the pet shop and he's talking to her through the birds and you're like, this is the same character? Okay. Right. You know, I can't believe this is the same guy, but you love both, you know, you learn to love both sides. Yep. And that like docile, you know, good-natured guy just has this talent in the ring, but they're not you know, they're not at odds. He's no. just sort of, he goes, he's got a balance. And, and she told, and she brings that out. And, and to me, and, and it's, it's a, it's a simple phrasing of a question, but it's one of the more powerful moments of the film is after his time in the ring, when he's alone, he goes back to their apartment. He lays down on the bed and he says, I can't win. I just figure, you know, no one's ever gone the distance with Creed. And I figure if I can go 15 rounds, then, you know, then I've done something. Or he's saying, I can't win. And Adrian kind of sits up in bed and she says, what are we going to do? Yeah. They're in it together. Yes. They're a real team. Yes. It yeah. is. And I'm like, that is, that's, that's love. 
that's that's the deal right there and and i think it's that reality of some of that stuff that just kind of causes this thing to become as it plays out so ingrained in people's hearts and minds because you are rooting for this guy but you're now also rooting for this little couple totally and if you were to take the scenes of rocky and adrian and line them up together i mean you've got a this they had a small budget right Mm -hmm. independent film they had 28 days to shoot it, that story is also told and threaded so brilliantly in the time they have, and the cuts are so great. Uh, it's like no wonder one editing to me at, at the Oscars right. the next year because right. it's it's brilliant, mm-hmm. and you have enough time to fall in love with them and fall in love with him. It's just it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's it's, but and and again, it continues throughout that entire series of films it really does just the fact that they're in it together and and to me one of the greatest character arcs in cinema is adrian's character arc because she goes from this timid little wallflower to being she just she she, she's a force to be yes she really is she really is even in five she is the person when you get to five the much maligned rocky five she's the nucleus that's holding that family together it's really during, true. During all that stuff that goes on. And there, so there's a strength in her. And somehow, somehow in this movie, you even find yourself kind of liking the abusive older brother. Yeah, Polly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the love-hate of mm-hmm. Polly, right? You, he drives you nuts, particularly when he squanders Rocky's money and Rocky has to file for bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember thinking, like, I... Uh, that's it for me and Polly. We're done. Yep. <laughs> like shutting the door. I can't take it. But Rocky forgives him, and so I, as the viewer, am like, okay, what would Rocky do? <laughs> yeah, what well, exactly? WWRD, everybody. Totally. What would Rocky do? Okay. Well, in the you know, even in this first movie, he's like, you know, he want he thinks he wants to go be a leg breaker. He thinks he wants to, you know, he thinks that's the life form. He wants to get out of the meat factory or whatever, and. um and he just he's hounding Rocky. He's always out for himself. Mm-hmm. He's always out for Paulie. And um <laughs> but there's that there's the great moment when everything has just fallen apart with their whole with their whole relationship because you know he pitched a fit on Adrian and Rocky and smashed some things and Adrian moves out, moves in with Rocky. And he just comes to the gym with Rocky's training and he's like I got a business opportunity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can, I can make some money. You know, some sponsorships. <laughs> Rocky's like, if you can make money off of me, good for you. Yes, you know? yes. He's like, Selfless you do it. Dude. Yes, yes. It's so. Yeah. That's Rocky. That's so Rocky. I mean, and we see that from when he's supposed to break the guy's thumbs. You know, we see it with when he walks little Marie home, which that all comes full circle eventually. And it's just, I. I'm telling you, th- that movie deserves every accolade it gets because it, it's there's it, it's not a boxing movie. It's disguised no. as a boxing movie, but no, no. but it's this it's this great thing that is that is disguised as a boxing movie. Out of all these movies that you watch now, um, we're, we'll, we're leaving Creed out of the discussion just because I'm still on the fence as to whether or not that's a a Rocky movie for sure or not. Okay. But right. um, from Rocky to Rocky Balboa, do you have a favorite of the six? You know, it's hard to be Rocky mm-hmm. for me. It's hard. It's hard to, to weigh all of those against 
the, the origin of the story, right? right? right. I'm very much a, that planted the seed. And then I, you know, as a bonus, I get all of these other movies mm-hmm. where I can see these characters grow and develop and, you know, face new challenges. So I think it's rocky for me, mm-hmm. hands down. But I was surprised, actually, but, you know, because there is a lot of feedback out there, right? I, I would start to read and not read what people say about four or three mm-hmm. and five and... I don't know, because I did it so quickly, I think I have a different, I probably skewed, you know, opinion of them and I'm not watching them when they came out. But I just, I was so happy to get more of those characters. Yeah. You know, like how many films can you say, you know, I can watch six films and I'm not tired of seeing Rocky and Adrian. Even in Creed, you know, for Mm -hmm. me, the first, you know, exposure to the Rocky story I'm moved by Adrian. She's not in the film. Right. I just learned about her through Rocky's, you know, later in life journey and mm-hmm. his coming to terms with his own age and and condition. And I'm I haven't even seen Adrian, but right. I I'm a I need to go back and figure out who she is and the meaning and the impact. So it's just they're all to me great in their own way. Well, um, and 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 they do. Like I said earlier, you know. Though each one is, you know, they're they they were made mostly, you know, several years apart, but they maintain a certain continuity. They do that, even though, and and I guess that's where it almost becomes a mythology because of that, because even though between Rocky Four and Rocky Five they threw they flew through some kind of time warp from Russia to America, where his kid aged about five years. <laughs> that's true. You know, <laughs> it, you, you you let that go. You do because because the story is what matters, and the story of this family, and the story of this man, and um, and 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 also you know you get into the whole music thing. You mentioned Eye of the Tiger and Rocky Three. You know Rocky Three brought rock and roll into Rocky. There yeah. was there was some street doo wop in Rocky and Rocky Two, but Rocky Three brought rock and roll. You know eighties rock and roll into it, and Rocky Four is a quintessential eighties movie. Yes. I mean the the way it's shot, the way it's cut, the way that I mean, you know, Sylvester Stallone is cut up himself and you know Dolph Lundgren, those guys are 80s action hero built and uh and then you hit 5 and and 5 really is like from you know the hip hop stuff and everything, it's a product of its time there in the late 80s right around 1991. And and it took getting to a time period in film, I think and and maybe even Sylvester Stallone growing a little bit as a filmmaker to get to the point where Balboa could go back and feel as timeless as Rocky One and Rocky Two do. Yeah. Um, it to me that when I when I saw Rocky Balboa, for me it was the perfect bookend to that whole story. I walked out of Rocky Balboa and I said, Rocky Five left me wanting more to kind of redeem that character a little mm. bit. I wasn't happy with the way. I wasn't happy with with the way things were left in Rocky Five. I was glad he, you know, made up with his son and had a street fight with Tommy Gunn and everything. But I, I just felt bad for them as a family to have lost everything. Yeah, and the, the ending didn't feel real. There wasn't real closure there in mm-hmm. Five for you, right? Yeah. Exactly. And so, but when you hit Rocky Balboa, and um, I mean, they could have ended on the shot as they're walking out of the ring where he just grabs somebody's hand, you know, as he's walking out to kind of slap it and shake it or whatever the case may be. But, you know, they then cut to that graveside scene again. 
and you know he's yo adrian we did it and i'm just a i am the term i believe the correct uh scientific term is a hot mess <laughs> i was right with you the, when i'm watching that thing but um for you i've got to imagine right you watch rocky five that's in nine, 1990 mm-hmm. and then you have to wait until 2006 yeah. to get this closure right this really you know just great end to that saga well, so i mean lauren you know you know film you know how it is that there is a for for the longest time, there was a mentality that movies are going to if there's if there's are sequels spawned from a, from an initial property, that the sequels are going to become less and less good. You know, they're they're not going to be the quality of that original. Mm-hmm. And and for my money, as a kid growing up, Rocky did what Star Wars did and kind of reversed that trend. They just stayed as good to me, even though. You know, there. I did. Now I can look back as a you know someone who's a little more intelligent, you know, a little more grown up, and I can see the nuances of what was happening, you know, with the time periods and everything. But as a kid, it's like, oh, they're all amazing. These are yeah. the you know these are the second greatest movies of all time, and but then to be in college and you know and to sit around with friends and start to talk about these things, you know, because we all grew up in the same time, so we're all digging the same stuff, and then to find out that. You know, yeah, Rocky Five. I love Rocky Five. Don't get. I, I'm not. I'm not slamming Rocky Five at all. But there was just always something that was a little less than for me about that movie, mm-hmm. and and it came down for me more the story. I just felt like that though we got the closure that I think Stallone thought he wanted to have in that moment that we didn't. And 2006 rolls around. The internet's now a thing. We're getting information that there's going to be a Rocky Six. Everyone's rolling their eyes, me included. Yeah. And then the first trailer comes out. <gasps> and I'm like, all right, take my money. I'm in. I'm there. <laughs> you know, so- and I'm like, I don't care if they burn me. I don't care if, if this is the worst thing ever. But, you know, the trailer has me sold. And and I was able to go. It was, a, it was the first time I ever went to like a preview screening of anything. And and so I was there with a buddy, and it's the only time I've ever seen a Rocky movie outside of Creed in a theater. Um, everything else was on VHS, you know, or TV yeah, growing right. up. And um, change, yeah. And and when that fight starts at the end with the whole crowd, and I've already just squirted tears throughout the whole thing, you know, from the opening scene of him taking the tour with Pauly to his talk with Rocky Junior on the street. Um, <laughs> Because we've been conditioned, right, that when, when one of his family members disapproves of what he's doing, then it gets in Rocky's head and he's not able to do it. Right. Because the one family member that always did that was Adrian. Mm-hmm. And, and it took Adrian coming around, or in the case of Rocky Three, Adrian having a come-to-Jesus meeting with Rocky on the beach and saying, you gotta, you got to buck up, son. Yeah. you got to get straight. It's sort of a catalyst for change, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so I thought when Robert comes to him on the street and he has his little talk that this was going to, all right, now we're going to go into 15 minutes of Rocky not having his head in the game. Mm. And Rocky looks at him, and again, this is to me the genius of Stallone, because Stallone understands that the way that a man interacts with his wife is not going to be the same way that he interacts with his child. And though he loves his kid and he respects what his kid is doing and trying to be, his kid is not going to be the boss of him. 
Yeah, and it's so, fundamentally different. Yes, and he yeah. just, and he gives them the whole spiel of you know, life's not about how hard you can hit; it's about how hard you get hit. And I'm just, I I was in the right place in life as a you know mid twenties burgeoning, you know, I'm sorry, late twenties, about to turn thirty kind of place, you know, you know, the cusp of, of of the second adulthood or whatever you want to call it, and <laughs> and just trying to figure a few things out here and there. And I'm just in tears listening to Rocky tell his son this stuff. And I'm like, speaking to you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so I just, that movie resonates with me. And then we get to the fight and the theater is chanting Rocky during the match. And I'm like, I'm done. This is it. This is my movie for the rest of all time. I love it. But I'm like you though, that it's hard for me. It's like picking a favorite, you know, type of Reese's cup. You just, it's hard to do. Oh gosh, there's <laughs> bad one in the bunch. But you know, it's actually, it's a great point that you're bringing up when you, especially me, right? When you watch them all back to back and you look at the plots for each, it technically could sound a little, it could get old, right? In every movie, it's like, he's sort of, he's retired now because he won the last one, but now he's getting dragged back into the ring by a new person. So on the surface, it looks like the plot could get boring. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've got this same fighter who's sort of going in again, but there's a new angle this time, or now he's going, you know, overseas, but it's still a big fight and it's gonna be at the end of the movie and will he win or lose? We don't you know, it it can feel repetitive. Mm-hmm. But the way it's sort of to me, that's also another reason why I'm so obsessed with the sort of behind the scenes nature of this saga and Stallone and Creed. It's like it, it could have gotten old, but they figured out a way to keep it fresh. Yeah. And then just when Stallone thinks, I'm closing the book on this with Balboa in 2006, I'm done. You know, nine years later, somebody finds another hook for him that lures him in. And he again can reopen this door. And listen, if they hadn't, I don't think I would have been as, you know. Right engage and and this new audience that's now like me discovering rocky it's unbelievable then you see Stallone at the oscars this year and he can't believe it himself so it almost feels like you're watching rocky right go through this arc in life and he and stallone is doing something similar with the with the films and i don't know that's that is a rare thing to find yeah yeah well and and again i you know i had i had not seen creed it had been out for a week or two and I, and I had not had the opportunity to go see it. And I was talking to a friend and, um, he was telling me and I had, it was, it was on an evening where I didn't have much to do. And, and I was debating on going to see it or not, or, you know, be the responsible adult and maybe clean up around the house or some such. And, um, and he was talking to me and he starts telling me, you know, this is, he said, still, he said this word, Stallone should get an Oscar for best supporting actor. And I'm like, for playing Rocky. And I love Rocky. Don't you know? I'm like, don't get me wrong. I love Rocky, wow. but but he's done it, yeah, six times. And um, he said, "This is Rocky like you've never seen before." And he began to kind of just tell me a little bit about this story and what and what Stallone was bringing to the table in this, you know. And and I'm like, they got okay, all right. And so I hung up the phone. I went to see Creed. Came back and immediately fired up the podcasting machine because I was so jazzed. About the whole thing, it's just reignited that fire. Right? Yes, yes. Well, yeah. it, especially once you get to that twelfth round at the end, yes. with <laughs> you know, because it's like if there if there was one thing lacking in Creed, and I understand why they did it, and they had to separate themselves to an extent from 
what had come before with the Rocky stuff, I felt like the, the score was a little lacking. Mm. Um, and, mm. um, but when they hit that 12th round and Rocky gives him the pep talk, you know, everything you got, all your fire, everything. And, and then just that Rocky theme kicks in as, as Donnie stands up to do his thing. A, again, hot mess in the, in the movie theater, hot mess, hot Don't, mess. Just call me hot mess Glosson because that's who I was. <laughs> You're not alone in that theater. <laughs> Seriously. I know it's, it is. And and I don't know, actually, I I still, and I've, I've now watched Creed several times. Mm-hmm. Every time I've flown this year, it's been on the plane. I'm like, all right, I'll watch it again. You know, mm-hmm. it, I do love it. I love the moments with Rocky again. Yeah. Yeah. There's that scene in the, uh, I think it's in the locker room at the gym when he talks about he could have, he could fill up a bowl with all the moments in his mm. life or have one more day with Adrian. He chooses, you know, I'm, I'm not paraphrasing it well, but those moments yeah. were my favorite in the film. Selfishly. I think, you know, I love Michael B. Jordan mm-hmm. sort of coming through as the new and the fresh take. But yeah, to me, the classic stuff with Rocky is the best, but his, his guidance at the end, that mentor now mm-hmm. in the corner, Yeah, you know, he's the new Mickey, right? He's, yes. Yeah. That was really satisfying, I think. And and what's what's great is, and Coogler and Company did a great job of not setting him up to be a Mickey clone. Yes, that he was he was still Rocky, and so he wasn't gruff and harsh and mean. You know, he was just something simple like pointing to Donnie in the mirror and saying, "That's your biggest enemy right there." Mm-hmm. You know, and and whereas. It's almost like he's learned, you know, it's almost like when he sees this kid, he's like, I'm not going to make the same mistakes I made with Tommy Gunn. Yeah, he was he was resistant to training like, them. Yeah. You know, and, and Tommy Gunn has to play a role in that. You know, Rocky Five has to play a role in his unwillingness initially to train this kid. And and when he does, he moves a lot more slowly. He not granted he's older, but he moves a lot more slowly in developing a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And he's tired, right? He's tired emotionally. He's tired physically. Yeah. And he gets reinvigorated ultimately. Yeah. By it's, it was, it's a, it's a fascinating thing they pulled out of him for Creed. Um, I want to go back to the, to the, to the six proper. And um, if Rocky's your favorite, then is there a favorite, opponent that you have or, or, or one that you especially like to see Rocky beat, I should say. That's such a great question. Uh, you know, I, I'd have to say, they're all, I mean, geez, it's hard. <laughs> I, I love Apollo and I yeah. think that dynamic is probably the most impactful for me. Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, I mean, Rocky four really got me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And just like the, you know, almost absurdity of that plot and that mm-hmm. story. And I don't know. It's so over the top. But I, you know, how do you not love it? I mean, it's, come on. It's quintessential 80s over the top madness. Yes. Have you seen the uh, the thing? I don't know. I guess ESPN did it. But it, they did like a 30 for 30 kind of spoof um, no. a, about Rocky about Rocky versus Ivan Drago. Okay, I got to. And I gotta do some googling. Oh, it's it's done. Step. Oh, it's so it's it's so well done. And basically, the premise is Rocky began to pull down the Iron Curtain. Oh, 
through that match. Like, they, and they just talk all these sports analysts and everything just talk about it with complete sincerity, and it is it's funny and it's also like I got to go watch Rocky Four <laughs> because of it. Um, I, I mean, just the shots of his opponent, right, and the the sweat coming down in yes. his hair, and the. Uh, it's just in the training yes. sequences. It's just. I mean, Rocky runs up a mountain. In the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. But one of the things, I, I, you know, I don't know how how you are with stuff. When I live with stuff for a while, I'll go through phases where I can actually because I am so close to it. Um. I can become a little overly critical of some things sometimes. And I, you know, it's just, it's that familiarity breeds contempt and, and in discussions with people and stuff. And, and like you say, if you, if you start listening to the zeitgeist a little bit, you'll, I, I'll kind of find myself thinking, yeah, Rocky four broke too many rules because they do kind of, you know, it doesn't open up with the Rocky fanfare. It opens up with the eye of the tiger and, True. you know, and, and they don't have Bill Conti. It's Vince DiCola doing the music, the same guy that did the transformers movie. And that's a little, it feels very different. Yeah, yeah, it's got a different feel through it, but they're the little things that still make it so much a Rocky movie. The the moment where they're walking out to the ring and Paulie just gets open in a way that we see Paulie do very rarely throughout these movies. And you know, and he says, If I could unzip myself and be anyone for just a minute, I'd want to be you. You're all heart rock. And then they get to the ring <laughs> and here comes Draco and <laughs> Paulie says, remember all that stuff I said about wanting to be you? Yeah, I take it all back. <laughs> classic Paulie. Well, it's classic ring banter. I mean, it's something that's yeah. established early on. So uh, true. You know, in 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 Rocky that there's these that what he's doing there with those guys in the corner, like there's this back and yeah. forth that's just hilarious throughout yeah. all of them. I mean, the very first scene of Rocky, right? He's um, in the ring and the guy's trying to give him advice and he's like, water, mouth yeah. guard. He's like, not taking it. i do my own thing here. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It, they, did, they, they captured a little bit of that for they sure. They did, they did. But I still love, and again though, I still love that movie. I still, it was, it was mid 80s. Was it 84 or 85? It was 85. When that came, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm eight year old Steve running around the playground and, and look, the scandal of that movie was Apollo dies. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a huge, huge point, right? Yes. And, and for all the little boys, we were like, well, how'd he die? And my friend back in the day, my internet was the trampoline in our backyard, <laughs> you know, because that's where we all gathered to exchange. Inform- fun, then. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's where we all gathered to exchange information about comics we'd read or movies we'd seen or what was on TV the night before, whatever the case may be. And my and my best friend in the world sitting there, he had gotten to go see Rocky Four, and I'm like, oh, I want to see it so bad. He's like, man, Apollo dies, and I'm like, what? What oh, do you mean? God. That was the old school spoiler alert. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I didn't. We didn't mind because I didn't know when I'd get to see this thing. You know, yeah. we had a family of like five kids. I didn't know when I was going to get to go to the movies, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm sitting there talking to him. I'm like, well, how did he die? And he's like, he fought the big Russian, and I'm like, the Russian killed him. What would he do? And my friend says he broke his jaw. And this is the this is the logic of children. It's crazy. This is the logic of children. You can die from breaking your jaw. I guess so. <laughs> so it's like. And are you on a trampoline? Oh yeah, right yeah. Now? We're yeah, we're sitting on a trampoline. Voting well for you guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you may exactly. want to relocate. <laughs> That's right. Let's go climb the tree instead. 
Yeah, I mean, suddenly, right, someone's dying in the ring now. Yes. So they've upped the ante here. Yeah. And, you know, they're not all as invincible as we think they well, are. Well, and it's not an old man. You know, right. it's not Mickey. It's it's this guy who... He's killed by this tank. Yes. Oh, and it's just like... And Apollo's another fascinating character because he chooses in two. He even says in two, he chooses to be the bad guy, to draw Rocky out because of his pride. He wants to fight Rocky again. He wants that rematch. And yeah. and and when he swings back around in three, he's just someone that wants to help this guy that's lost it. And those two are such a great arc too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's and that, oh, that's the thing. Like I, I just want to talk about every single person in this movie. I want, <laughs> you know, because they're all so great. The yeah. ensemble is so strong. That's another thing. You know, a lot of movies, right? There's one standout. There's mm-hmm. there's maybe one or two characters you really relate to or, or love, but. In this movie, they're all so strong, mm-hmm. and they make each other better. And you know, it's it's rare. It's rare to have yeah. that. It's a real treat, and especially in all of these films. Yeah, I think I think for me though, I got to go Clubber Lang as my favorite opponent that he interesting. Beats. I was going to ask. Yeah, okay. I, I think I've got to go Clubber Lang, and it's because of um, number one, it was Mr. T, and. Again, you know, child of the '80s, Mr. T is an '80s icon. He he does pity the fool, mm-hmm. um, and he says that in this movie. This was our introduction to Mr. T, right? This, this was our, like starring moment. <laughs> yes, this was our introduction to pity the fool because they say, "Do you hate him? I don't hate him. I pity the fool." Yeah. Um, Iconic. Yes, and uh, but but what I love so much about his fight with Mr. T, the second fight, is. You know, he's been working on the conditioning. He's been working on, you know, moving fast. He's been working on his speed. He's been, you know, and, and that's what Rocky's always needed was speed. You know, Mickey even tells him we need greasy, fast, lightning speed. And and Apollo's trained that speed into him, and he's trained that conditioning. And so he's basically doing rope-a-dope where he's letting Mr. T just beat on him. He's letting Clubberling beat on him, and he's just taking it, you know, and letting Clubberling wear himself out. And there's this great moment, and it's the worst trash-talking ever. But it's the best trash talking ever because Clever Lang says something to him and he goes, oh, yeah, well, at least I ain't breathing heavy. <laughs> I'm like, you told him, Rocky. You go. <laughs> I know. It's, it's the Rocky who just, you know, he's not a bad dude. And he exactly. have that, you know, bone in his body. Exactly. Like even your mama would have been better in that situation. <laughs> You could have just said your mama and left it at that. But it was, I, I just, I get but really. better that he doesn't. Yeah, oh, sure, oh, sure. But I get really pumped up when I watch Rocky Three, And it's always a surprise that I get pumped up. But it's just that you, you see the fight, that you see those three rounds more in real time. The rest of the fights are all, um, you know, they're, they're done montage style because you can't show a 15 round or a 12 round or a 10 round boxing match, you know, in the course of a of a two hour movie. Sure. But these, but these three rounds we get kind of, and and I'm using my quote fingers here, dink, dink, real time. And Mm -hmm. so, and so you kind of take the full journey from, from the first bell to the, to the victory at the end. You'll laugh at this too, Steve, because, you know, having seen Creed first, I knew obviously Apollo had died. And when I went back to watch the films, I didn't know when Apollo mm. was going to go. So at the end of Rocky Three, right? This is where they kind of had that fun right. 
rematch at the end yeah. right it's, it's sort of friendly and i'm like is this the scene is <laughs> I'm like, I'm like this would be horrible like what is something happen to him here and obviously it's not but i just laugh thinking back to my first time watching it because i really just didn't know it was going to happen to apollo but now did did you have anything spoiled for you in these movies i mean obviously you knew apollo died but did you have anything like the nuances of it spoiled for you at all really Good. you know and i literally turned around seeing creed on a wednesday night and mm-hmm. then thursday i was already go- blowing through the, the series so <laughs> she's like Let everyone leave me alone time. <laughs> leave me alone i'm watching rocky yeah it's just <laughs> and you know to to do that right in our lives right now we're all so busy mm-hmm. and, and just to like drop everything and go and watch a bunch of films in a row like that and feel the way you feel after it's just it's the ultimate treat it yeah. really it really yeah. is so um let me let me get you to 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 get a, to get your take on on a couple more things and then and then I'll let you wrap it up. But oh, man, we're just getting in here. I know. Let's get started. <laughs> I know. I know. I just don't want to take too much of your time. You've got so much of an evening left, and I don't I want to take that ice skating rink scene. Oh man! Oh, so, so I love you. the story behind that. I know it's incredible, right? That he wrote it because he didn't think it, initially he didn't think he'd be doing it. He's like, I can't skate, and then apparently. Um, Talia Shire couldn't skate either. I know. It's, it's brilliant. And it just and makes it so wonderful. By the way, I don't know if you've done this or the listeners have done this. If you have not gone back and watched Rocky with the commentary from Stallone over it, mm-hmm. you need to. Definitely. Yeah. It is worth it. Yeah. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of that all the time. I, I have a hard time focusing. Mm-hmm. But... And also, sometimes I feel like people are just rambling and rambling. Everything he says and talks about throughout the entire film, it's fant- it's fantastic. And you might know some of it, but some things you don't know, and there's some nuances. And it also speaks to how smart and creative he is, because yeah. it's his work. So it's really great, well, by and, the way. And he's very but focused he, in on the film as he's doing the commentary. Completely. He doesn't. He doesn't go down a lot of tangents. He doesn't, you know, some commentaries, they'll start a subject and then, 15, 20 minutes later, you've missed them talking about other parts of the movie that maybe you wanted to hear mentioned. You're right. Because they've talked about a million things. And he does a good job of kind of keeping it tight and and talking about the film. Ten minutes! That's what (laughs) the the guy... (laughs) Seven minutes! Time! (laughs) I mean, even like, there's a scene in the beginning, he's got the hat on, he's walking down the street, and he's dealing with the loan shark and he talks about how he had to fight to keep the hat in the scene and you know the producers the director wanted him to take the hat off and it's just it, the the gems of the film mm-hmm. and the way they ended up the way that they did are just it's magic in the making um, and that hat i mean like the the only reason hat the, what's that that's a baller hat yeah it is. Absolutely. It is. But what's great about it is it's just a piece of his wardrobe, but it's a great joke. It's a great gag, too, when he can't get in his locker. Yeah. So he pulls his hat off under the, yeah. and pulls his, pulls his combination out. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's just little things like that are just so, so great throughout these movies. But I want to know, you know, we, we've danced around a little bit. I've talked about my feelings on it, but the much maligned Rocky Five. You're watching these things straight through. You get to Rocky Five. Um, Bill Conti's back, but so is MC Hammer. Musically, um, <laughs> visually, you, you know. MC Hammer. <laughs> what's that? You gotta have MC. Oh Hammer. sure, yeah. Um, 
you know, visually it, it's shot very much like a movie from right around that time. It fits right in the air and that it was, you know, filmed in and everything. But how did you, how, what, how did you like it? Did you like it? Did you, were you kind of, eh? Well, this is the film, as I mentioned, that got me real fired up at first because mm-hmm. he's lost all his money right? because of Polly. And that really hit a nerve for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, come on, the guy's been through so much. And Polly screws up that piece. Um, so that got me a little burned. Um, and the, the Tommy Gunn scenario, it, it wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, emotionally, I really felt for Adrian and, and his son and sort of that conflict. But, you know, I like it. I like it in, if I look at the whole series, I like it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were sort of from your perspective, sort of just watching them as they came out, right. I would be a little disappointed in that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Well, I, and again, you know, Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio and I have talked about it. We love it. I like it just fine. I, it, yeah. But, but I, I, can't, I can't deny that I was left a little unfulfilled by it. And, I, and at first I thought it was because he didn't climb into a ring proper to fight Tommy Gunn. You know, but it's it, like lowbrow street fight. Right, right. And I'm like, how do you know who wins? You know, <laughs> how do they know that he won? But there is there are some great. But again, it's peppered with these fantastic moments mm-hmm. of, you know, stuff like it almost feels like deleted scenes. The stuff with him and the memories he has, has with he and Mickey. You know, it, it's almost like he found some footage from the original Rocky and put in there, you know, even though, you know, Burgess Meredith looks well, Burgess Meredith didn't. It wasn't much longer after that he died. I don't think, but um, yeah. But it was, yeah. I I still dig it though, and and Balboa. You know, I, I mentioned Hot Mess. That was Hot Mess Glosson. That was the birth of Hot Mess Glosson. I get it. It's a fantastic film. Yeah. It really. I I do love Balboa. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I'm getting a craving. I might want to watch that one again. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> talking about it and thinking about that story and the father-son dynamic. Mm-hmm. Well, I had someone, I was talking to someone and they were really upset because they were like, Rocky's supposed to love Adrian for all time. I'm like, he does love Adrian for all time. But uh, they're like, uh-uh, Marie and him are going to hook up. And I'm like, no, they're not. I know. I, I wasn't really following the Marie return and that exchange, but I, I, I kind of let it go. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I think, it, I think it was meant to be an anchor to the original tale, you know, as much as, yeah. as much as that opening, you know, scene of the tour that he's taking with Polly, as much as all that's meant to be, you know, a reminder of where we've come from, I think she's supposed to be kind of an anchor to that world. Um, she is someone Rocky can't help, but help people, you yeah. know, that's another one that's cool to watch the commentary with because he talks about, you know, right out, right out of the gate, there's a whole montage, for lack of a better term, of him waking up in the morning and going through his morning routine. And he opens a window and he pours bird feed and what looks to be candy and stuff out into a bird feeder. And he's like, that's just Rocky. He likes to help people. He, <laughs> you know, even the birds. He just wants to make sure they've got what they need, you know. And, yeah. and that's how, and that's kind of the, for him, that's kind of the theme of what Rocky Balboa is, is the guy who, you know, though he's dealing with all the stuff and he's got to, you know, he's dealing with the grief. He's still dealing with grief over the loss of Adrian. And he's, you know, the stuff in the basement, is, as he says to Paulie. But 
there's also we're introduced to Rocky who just can't leave well enough alone when it comes to helping people. Yeah, totally. And and you know what? It's on this thing about helping people and his selflessness, right? What I think is so brilliant, and I don't think everybody picks up on it necessarily, even if you watch Rocky, right? It's never campy the way that he helps people. Right. It, there's always there's a real genuine sort of authentic way. Even when he go, walks into a bar toward the uh, beginning of Rocky, and he just picks up that drunk guy outside and brings him in. <laughs> yeah. like, it, there's no dialogue, right? There's no scene. It's just well, he makes some smart comment perfect. when he picks him up and takes him into the guy that's sitting yeah. there in the booth. He's like, "I brought you some company." Yeah. yeah, and it's like you know he doesn't want any credit for it. He just brings that guy in because it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. Even with Marie, right? He walks her home and he's trying to like impart all this advice, and she's like, "Get out of here, creepo!" And he's Screw like, you, yeah, creepo. You're "Right? Why would you take advice from me? I am pretty creepy. Like, it's so, it's just it's understated and so powerful, and mm-hmm. it's it's brilliant writing, and you know you just. Stallone really, he created a, you know, an anomaly here. Yeah, I I think so. I think so. You know, I I think that I've said it before and and listeners are tired of hearing me say this, but if there were no Star Wars, Rocky would probably be my Star Wars. Um, Rocky might be my Star Wars. And that is and that is fantastic. You know, (laughs) don't worry. (laughs) We'll keep that between us and all the listeners. Um no, I, I, because it is, it, I, it, it resonates with me on so many levels. You know, for me, there's the nostalgia factor, of course, mm-hmm. but also there is, there is this whole aspect of story. There's the aspect of character building, and I think intelligent character development, um, and and there is the there's the there's the morality behind it all. There, yeah. there is an element of faith and morality to, to the story of Rocky. Absolutely. And, and it's something that, even with all the superhero movies and all the stuff we have nowadays, I don't know that it's that that stuff is being told as well. That these types of morality tales are being told as well. And it is an American mythology. And um, well said. And and I I just I I it 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 resonates so much with me and I and I dig it so much and I was so excited when the word Rocky got mentioned in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> it was like the skies opened up. That's and, right. It's like and and that's not for me not wanting to talk about Star Wars, but it's just like there's someone else who's super passionate about Rocky. Well, and you know what? We find each other, right? Because. Yeah. You know, Star Wars, just sort of, I'm not comparing the two, but it's obviously, it's, there's so many people out there talking about Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? It's it's such a topic and, and, a, and a movement. And then you've got Rocky, which has a major impact on so many people. But, you know, Creed comes around last fall and it sort of spurs this, you know, new dialogue that's happening. Like I said, this new audience is now finding it like me, right? And going back. But it's it's refreshing. It's like Rocky. It's a little understated, mm-hmm. and it's not always set, you know. In Stallone's career, even I mean, that's another piece for me. I sort of grew up thinking, you know, through the '90s, oh, he's that action star, yeah, that you know made some interesting or maybe some, you know, less than stellar choices. But 
you know, I get it. He kind of had a hit in the 70s and he's kind of, you know, he made some questionable moves and that's Stallone, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Expendables and that was sort of my, all these thoughts floating in my head about him. And then to literally go back and watch these films and then learn about his process. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a movie in itself about Stallone and Rocky. Um, oh, and I think I think so. I think so. My my biggest Rocky regret is that I that they closed the uh, Broadway musical before I was able to get to New York oh, yeah. and see it. We have to talk about that. Uh, the musical of Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you and I were not lucky enough to see it. No, no. <laughs> but everyone that saw it, I heard great things about it. It got some great reviews. They said it and- was it was a really interesting um, style of doing things because they would. They would bring, uh, for the final fight, they had a set piece that would literally come out over the first like three or four rows, and those people would then move up to the stage to be in the crowd as, as boxing spectators. And it was, and I, I, I've not heard any of the music from it or anything because I'm scared to. Well, listen at your own risk. I mean, I'm driving around LA right now with it in my car. Really? <laughs> And it's different. It's yeah. it's a definite experience, is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are a huge fan of Rocky, I mean, you got to check it out. Yeah. You got to you know take a listen. And I know I wish I would have seen it. I've read that that scene with the ring and and everything is just so incredible when it was in the theater. So kind of bummed. Yeah, I don't. I, guess, I don't know if it, I guess it just wasn't making money. Um, I guess that's the that's the that's the deal. But. Um. Yeah, I, that was the thing that was going to get me up to New York to go see a play, was Rocky, of all things. Hamilton. Hey, let's bring it back. For the 40th anniversary of Rocky, let's start a campaign. Okay. Well, you <laughs> would know. What would Rocky do? Exactly. <laughs> He'd go running down the street and, and have someone throw an orange at him. I mean, if we got Ryan Coogler to get him to do Creed, we can figure this out together. Now, is there, are they going to make a sequel? Is there going to be a Creed 2? There's talk. There's definite talk. There, he's got an opponent locked and ready to go. Yeah, they both they both said they're they're down for it. I think uh, from what I've heard and read, it sounds like it could be a scheduling issue right now because yeah, Coogler's, Ryan Coogler's on um, Marvel's Black, Black Panther. Yeah, 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 that's right. So that might be his focus, and and Michael B. Jordan's obviously in it as well. So. Mm-hmm. It could be a timing thing, but I I gotta believe, right? Yeah. All of us here, Rocky fans, have gotta hope we have not seen the last. Yeah, you hope so. My fear is my big my big fear, and it was the fear I had going into Creed. I I just don't want to see them do the death of Rocky. Well, they can't. Yeah. Well, would they? I don't know. Listen, I've seen in my lifetime, I've seen Han Solo die. So. Wow. I was just going to say, yeah. you thought the impossible couldn't happen, and then we saw The Force Awakens. That's so. right. Exactly. Exactly. So. I don't know if I can live through that, though, honestly. I don't I'm, either. I don't either. I, it, and I, I can't take much. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Lauren, thank, <sighs> thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I've had a blast. This was really fun. I'm so glad you had me on. <laughs> oh. And there's my uh, my Charlie. That's so Rocky's got his dog. I've got my dog, and we're planning our Halloween costumes. Maybe it'll be a Rocky year for us. Do you ever just sit in the floor and holler at David in the kitchen, and be like, "Yo, David, sometimes I think Charlie's not a normal canine." You know. <laughs> Some days, Steve, we do get there. <laughs> By the way, can we close and just talk about the fact that 
Stallone sold his dog. Yes. Okay. He was broke, right? He sold him for, I think it was 50 bucks outside of a liquor store. A week later, he manages to sell the script for Rocky. I think he retained the rights for like $3,000. He goes back and buys the dog. (laughs) Puts the dog in the movie. He's got to spend like a triple the amount, gets the dog back, but he's in the movie and yeah, he's back together. Talk about perseverance. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite behind the scenes Rocky story from that making of is a simple little moment. He's running through the marketplace there um, in Philly and he turns around and someone tosses an orange at him. <laughs> and yeah. he said, he said, they didn't know what we were doing. That was just someone throwing an orange at me and I happened to turn around and catch it at just the right moment. <laughs> right. Brilliant. Again, <laughs> magic in the making. That's right. That's right. Well, I've had a blast, Lauren. Thank you so much for doing this. I've, I just, I, I enjoyed it. Is there anything that, uh, I know you've got, you're in baby mode. Especially in November, you guys are just enjoying Rock, your Rocky Jr. coming into the world, and we wish you all the best with that. Thank but you. but is there anything that it would do you any good to plug or anything like that? I mean, besides the arrival of Baby Collins, yeah, and our our group and collective effort to see another Rocky film see the light of day, uh, maybe a return for the musical. I think. <laughs> I'm just going to literally stay on my campaign to talk about Rocky for the rest of my life. All right. Hashtag bring back Rocky. (laughs) Well, here's what, here's what we need to do next then. But once, once all the, you know, and it'll be a while before you get kind of settled into, to being, being mom and dad. But once you do, uh, we'll just do some commentaries. We'll just watch the movies and, and do our own personal fan commentaries of them. Let's do it. I'm, I'm down. Let's find some new things to discover. Yes, you know? yes, I'm down. I'm down to do that. Lauren, thank you so much. And you're welcome back to talk about anything, anytime. Amazing. I love it. I'm taking you up on it. All right. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. And we do thank Lauren Sadowski Collins for stopping by and uh, chit-chatting with us about Rocky. What a great conversation. What a great thing to celebrate uh, the legacy of Rocky Balboa. And what a, oh, that movie. I'm, I'm telling you, if Lauren is serious and she's willing to do it, expect a commentary series uh, from on everything from Rocky to Creed. Um because I absolutely love those movies. I want to apologize to Lauren for talking so much. It was supposed to be a conversation with her, not a conversation over her. And we do congratulate Lauren and David on the birth of their baby boy and hope that they're home and happy and everyone is doing well. And we look forward to having Lauren back whenever ever she wants to come back. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we close this special 200th edition of Geek Out Loud with something we've not done in a while, a little something called Bad Impersonations Theater. And on this episode of Bad Impersonations Theater, it's only fitting that we do the speech from the end of Rocky IV. Playing the part of Rocky will be Jar Jar Binks. Playing the role of the Russian translator will be Jabba the Hutt. We take you now to the end scene of Rocky IV.
Thank you. Misa came here tonight, and Misa not know what to expect him. Misa seen a lot of people hating Misa. And Misa not know. Misa what to feel about that. So, Misa guess Misa didn't like you so much either. During this fight, Misa seen a lot of changes. The way Yusa felt about me, and the way Misa felt about Yusa. In here, there were two guys killing each other. But Misa guess that's better than 60 million. What Misa trying to say is... If Misa can change, and Yusa can change, everybody can change! You should be home sleeping. Merry Christmas, Annie. Misa loves you. And with that, we end the 200th episode of Geek Out Loud. Thank you so much to everyone for joining us live at Mixer.com slash Goliverse for this episode. Thank you to all of you who've listened and downloaded via the podcast thanks to lauren sadowski collins uh for joining me to talk some rocky uh hope uh, that again we can't wish you and david and baby collins uh we can't wish you enough wellness and happiness uh as as you guys enjoy being new parents I want to say happy thanksgiving to everyone who's listening to this at thanksgiving 2016 Hope you have a great week with your family and loved ones and whoever you're spending Thanksgiving with. Eat a ton. Here in the States, at least, it's the one holiday of the year where no one looks at you strange for looking like a moron and eating too much. If you want to support the shows, we encourage you to do so. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. You can use the links to Amazon, to Think Geek, and to Entertainment Earth that you'll find at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. And we appreciate you using those links. We'd love to hear from you between shows. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. And the, uh, the Twitter is at geekoutloud. Or you can follow the entire Goliverse at Goliverse. I'm at Steve Glosson on Twitter. And of course, there's a Geek Out Loud Facebook page as well. 200 episodes. Here's to 200 more. Coming a lot sooner than did uh, these first 200, hopefully. We'll catch you yet, Nerdist. We'll get there. And we'll do it all on our own merits. Not that you didn't do it on your merits. That's not fair. 
that's not that's not a fair way to sign off 200 to take a shot at another podcast that doesn't even know that I exist. So why don't we just say this? I hope that you all have a great whatever you're having. And I hope that you'll join me next time when we geek out about something else. What was that? Something else. Something else. Now, I, now, now my voice is cracking again. When we geek out about whatever else is on our minds, on our hearts. And, uh, oh man, Rogue One is so close. Let's just say this. Why don't we say that every geek out loud from this point until Rogue One will be devoted to Star Wars. No promises, but it could be a good chance that happens. Regardless of what happens, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud.